Today's episode of Locked On Raptors is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you will ever need at rockauto.com. Tell them Locked On sent you. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot trying to miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to episode number 948 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, May the 18th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. And you can find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure to check out the entirety of the Locked On Podcast Network. Tons of amazing stuff for you. If you are a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, for example, the Leafs start their series against Montreal on Thursday, and today you can listen to part one of two of a series preview between Locked On Leafs and Locked On Canadians. Highly recommend you tune into that. It'll be great. And uh, Mike, Laura, and Scott, who host those respective shows, do a wonderful job. So go and support and get ready for what should be a very fun first-round series. For the Leafs. All right, on today's show, we have a lot to get to. Uh, Katie Heindel is here. We'll, we'll bring her in in just a second. Um, we are going to dive into just sort of putting a bow on this season. There's been postseason press conferences the last couple days. Kyle Lowry spoke this morning. Nick Nurse spoke yesterday. Lots of Masai Ujiri talk and all that stuff going on right now. We're going to kind of put a bow on things before we turn our attention to the offseason. But first, I have to uh, make amends for something that I did yesterday on the podcast with Vivek and Sahal, and, uh, you know, I have to own up to it. Yesterday, when we realized there was a tie at the end of the over-unders recap, I decided as the commissioner to impose a tiebreaker trivia over-unders question. In that tiebreaker, I asked them to give me over-under 16.5 points per 36 minutes scored by Paul Watson this season. I, because I'm stupid, was looking at the per 100 possessions uh, section on Basketball Reference and thought 18.1 was the number I was looking for. In fact, he averaged like 13.5 points per per 36 minutes this season. I was not looking at the correct table. And as a result of both of them getting it wrong and Sahal's cowardly decision to pick the same thing that Vivek did, despite going second, I declared myself the winner of the over-under spectacular. That, of course, was probably uh, ill-advised. I did not do anything. I was three points behind them. It was a moment of weakness and uh, commissioner tyranny that I apologize for. So to uh, adjust and make up for my stupid mistake and also to, uh, you know, just properly announce a winner and a crown for this season after Sahal tried to defend his title, uh, we are going to do an over-unders trivia episode with Vivek and Sahal probably next week to determine the winner, and that will be that. And uh, so I will not go home with the title this year. It's a real damn shame, but uh, it's it's the only right way to do it, I think. We'll do a trivia next week with Vivek and Sahal, so I apologize for that. With that, we move into today's episode. We're joined by one of our favorites, Katie Heindel of Dime, Dishes and Dimes, uh, all over the place. Katie, what's going on? You um you are you you turn into a monster with um games. Oh, I'm awful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm glad you I'm glad you owned up to it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, 
I, I really like to win, and uh, I've never won the over-under spectacular before. It's now becoming a growing source of embarrassment for me, and uh, yeah, I, I, I acted like a bad commissioner. I acted like Adam Silver would, mm-hmm. frankly, and uh, you don't want to be compared to Adam Silver ever. So uh, glad that you forgive me, it seems. Glad everybody seems I don't. to forgive me. You didn't. Okay, I, never mind. Yeah, I yeah. I'm yeah. holding a grudge <laughs> on behalf of uh, those guys. <laughs> I have spoken with Vivek and Sahal. They are both uh, forgiving of me. So that's uh, that's okay. all I want to do. Well, that's good. Um, yeah. <laughs> Katie, we're going to dive into sort of a retrospective on the season, talk about the post-game pressers and all that and in just one second. But we have to address what has been probably the first of many derailed, deranged, uh, just like broken conversations on Raptors internet that are sure to happen now that the Raptors are not in the playoffs for the first time in seven years. And so... I have to ask you, when you see the acronym K-L-O-E spelt out in reference to Kyle Lowry, how do you pronounce it? Do you pronounce it? What is your approach? What is the proper nomenclature, I suppose, for the K-L-O-E all capitals acronym that has been the source of much discussion and anger on Raptors internet this morning? Um, Okay, so there's kind of like two approaches to this. One is when you have regular friends that aren't freaks and you have to explain what it means. So you would usually say the acronym in its entirety, Kyle Lowry over everything. K-Lo is Kyle's nickname. To me, if I was pressed, I guess in my, like I've never said it out loud, but if I was pressed in my brain um, to say K-L-O-E, I've always kind of said it as K-Lo as well. And I Mm -hmm. kind of drop the, I guess the E, I just make it a soft E. I don't say Chloe. Um, Cause that would need a diff for me. Then that would need a different H uh, mm-hmm. like one Chloe Kardashian, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it's in, I, I'm not, a lot of people are upset about this. I'm not that upset about it. You know, if a mom mm-hmm. wants to say it, Chloe, that's fine. It's kind of cute. It's not a terrible, <laughs> it's not a terrible way to put it, but for an acronym that like we made up, <laughs> You know, like that fans kind of made up, um, sure. that teammates of Kyle have like picked up and used. I just can't picture. No, I can't picture like Fred Van Lee saying Chloe. He would say Kalo. So I guess I, I think yeah. that's easier in a way too, because it's an umbrella nickname that you can fit this. You can fit Kyle Lowry over everything into as well as Kyle Lowry's own nickname. So I think to me, that's kind of easy. It's like a one-stop shop nickname. Sure, yeah. Uh, to me, there's sort of a distinction. There's K-Low, like K-L-O-W, lowercase for the O and W. That is K-Low. That's like, I think, the standard form of his nickname. K-L-O-E is a acronym that stands for Kyle Lowry over everything, as you've uh, alluded to. And to me, if you're saying it Chloe, you're like one of the freaks who pronounces the WHO, the World Health Organization, as the WHO. That is a band... That is not, you're not like getting across any sort of clarity as to what the hell the acronym stands for. And to me, you would never just go and say, like, if you're saying it, then it's Kalo to me, if you're sort of sounding it out. But you're always going to refer to K-L-O-E as Kyle Lowry over everything. You should say the words that it stands for and not anything else. If you're sitting next to a friend who's maybe less poisonously online on a couch watching a game, and Kyle Lowry hits a pull-up three in transition, you're not going to say, Chloe! 
You're just not going to do that. You're going to say, man, Kyle Lowry over everything. Am I right? That is, I think, the final word on this. Uh, you know, obviously, I'm not the final arbiter or anything like that of anything. So take what I my opinion is for whatever you want it to be. But I thought it was worth putting our two cents in because this has been a thing that has uh, consumed Raptors Internet this morning. For those of you who are not online listeners, be thankful for that, I suppose. Uh, and I'm sure we're going to get a lot more uh, as, again, we live non-playoff life for the first time, uh, basically in like mainstream Twitter's existence. So uh, let's look forward to that, I suppose. Um, we're going to dive now into the uh, the end of season stuff and put a bow on the year in just one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at rockauto.com who are saving you money when you go to the mechanic. Can't say it enough. It's summertime. Maybe you're getting your winter tires off. Maybe that's a little bit late, I suppose. But maybe when you go for an oil change, they say, hey, you need this part in your car. Instead of asking the mechanic to, you know, get the part from in-house and uh, charge you the full arm and a leg that they're going to charge you for it, instead, go to rockauto.com. They have a wonderful selection, all the different makes, models, manufacturers, whatever it might be, and different pricing as well than what the mechanic's going to give you, sometimes 30, sometimes 50, sometimes 100% less expensive. That is an incredible deal. So go to rockauto.com and uh, do all the thing on their on their super easy catalog. It's uh, I'm a dumb dumb. I know how to use it. It's wonderful. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Don't spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts. Instead, go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you as well. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you will ever need at rockauto.com. All right, Katie, before we dive into the postseason pressers, just want to give a heads up. Tomorrow's episode, myself and Locked On Heat host Dave Ramil are going to be joining forces to talk about Chris Bosh. He's in the Hall of Fame. We're going to do some Chris Bro- Chris Bosh appreciation, talk about his Raptors time, his Heat time, have some fun with it. Uh, that will be on Wednesday, uh, so keep an eye out for that. Katie? Let's now talk about the pressers. Uh, Kyle Lowry spoke this morning, probably Crisps the headliner bosh. of the bunch. What's that? Sorry? Crisp Bosch. Crisp Bosch. Yeah, he's just very, very crispy. I don't know. I can't speak, Katie. I'm bad at it. <laughs> After spending an entire segment lecturing people on how to say words, mm-hmm. I have proven myself incapable of actually being a useful part of this conversation. That's fine. Um, Katie. <laughs> Kyle Lowry spoke this morning. Uh, I said that name right. Uh, Chloe. Uh, for this, for this, this time at least. Yeah, Kyle Lowy <laughs> spoke this morning. Um, that's the headliner. We can start with him and then we'll get to Nurse and you know the talk about Messiah and all that in the next segment. But um, you were on the call. You asked Kyle a question. What was your overall takeaway from Kyle Lowry's postseason press conference? Perhaps, but not certain by any means, his final postseason press conference as a member of the Toronto Raptors. It was quite generous. I don't know. It was very like he's in a good mood. Um, he was pretty happy, probably because it's the last presser of the season, <laughs> um, and now he can go on and have a summer vacation. And um, it was long. It was almost an hour, if not an hour. Um, I think they said it's officially the longest presser in Raptors history. Wow. DeMar. Just racking up milestones, uh-huh. even after the season's over. Uh-huh. It's great. <laughs> it's, it's pretty powerful stuff. Um, no, I, it was it was really good. I thought, like, there was, like, some... I was a little concerned everyone would kind of get stuck on, like, 
are you staying? Where are you going to go? And like, there definitely were questions to that end. But I think more people were interested in a, being a, a bit more introspective. I hope I mm-hmm. certainly was. And to just ask about like, what's this year been like? You know, we, and that's like a kind of a mixed bag because I think sometimes there's a sense they're fatigued by it. They're like, maybe they don't mm-hmm. want to talk about it all the time. But then sometimes I also think that if you kind of phrase it the right way, you know, now that they're also, it must feel different now that they're coming out of it. You know, they probably right. don't want to talk about it too much when they're in it. But now that it's like in the rear view a little bit of their lives to be able to like, okay, here's all the reasons why this was a really difficult season. Here's kind of all the shitty things. Here were some surprising upsides to which Larry sort of spoke at length about all of those things. Um, talked a lot about his teammates, no surprise there, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And just kind of his growth. I mean, I asked him about his growth as a leader in especially like what that meant in this season, in a season like this. And like, that's a tough question in the sense that it's like, could be quite broad, you know? Sure. And he gave me a really broad answer. You know, he talked about his childhood. He talked about like everything from like coming in into the league and playing for Memphis, Conley getting drafted, him kind of getting pushed to the side, getting hurt, like, and his sort of development up through the league to where he is now. And like fatherhood, the way he sort of looks at the team, the way he takes responsibility for himself. Like, it's just a very, like, I think my biggest takeaway and I didn't want to look at it like, oh, <laughs> this is the last we're ever going to see of him. And he did correct someone on that because he was like, it's not like I'm retiring. Someone was yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> Are you, you'll never play at Scotia again. And he's like, well, I would still play even if I <laughs> left. I'm not retiring, which is a great point. Um, but I just think like it's really extraordinary that we've got to spend so much time in Kyle Lowry's light over the years. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think that's something that we shouldn't take for granted. And I hope that, you know, even in this season when he's been so candid and so forthright and just like continues to be just like engaged and caring and like bought in, especially if on the team, mostly on his teammates, it's a season he could have just been like this. I didn't sign up for this, you know, but we just Mm -hmm. like continue to see the growth of this man. Um, And I think we're in pretty privileged positions to have had that regardless of what he decides to do. Like, he became this person here, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think one of my favorite things, just kind of going through the quotes and the clips and the transcriptions and all that, one of my big takeaways is it was really nice to see the whole, like, very dumb but still present thought that Kyle was, like, somehow unhappy on the Raptors this year because they weren't winning anymore, mm-hmm. put to bed. Like, he spoke at length about... Like you said, the joy he got from sort of working with the younger guys and also the fact that he wasn't just going to like quit on the team because things were down in the dumps and the fact that, you know, he had a he's a man who sticks to his word and he said he wanted to see it through. He wanted to put together a great run. It's a shame that they weren't able to do that because COVID derailed the team so significantly in the back part of the year. But I I think it was nice to hear from the horse's mouth like, no, I, I didn't like ask for a trade. I wasn't sulking. I wasn't upset. And he wanted to be part of it. And I think that's really great. And I also think that's encouraging for those who want him to come back. The fact that he does sort of have that loyalty, which I don't think you could really even claim that he necessarily exuded all that much, you know, in his previous free agencies, right? Like 2017, for example, I think, you know, that he actually really seemed like he was kind of on his way out and was almost forced back to the Raptors because there were no other real options out there and the market kind of dried up. 
Whereas this year, like it, it seems very clear that Toronto's a place he loves. It, it's a team that he wants to be with. You know, he talked about, um, you know, j- just all the, all the different things from this year that the 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 growth and all that stuff it's it's all very nice to hear from him that all that sort of oh he's going to be unhappy and oh just save him from this team that was all so misguided and wrong and just not kind of how the dude's built so that was really nice to to hear from him do you uh i don't know where are you at on the whole bringing kyle back thing like i i tweeted this out this morning i want him back i think pay him the money he said money in years talks i think they should talk to him with money in years that'd be fully on board with that um and I, the point i made just posting this morning in addition to uh you know the whole kalo discourse uh you know I, I made the point that even if bringing kyle back is not the sort of quote-unquote best path to winning another title for Toronto, Mm -hmm. I don't really care. Watching him and watching this growth continue and watching him continue to sort of impart wisdom onto the younger guys in the team and kind of nurture that next generation and then the generation beyond that, right? There's kind of like three levels on the team now between the sort of established core guys and then the newer guys who are coming up, the Flins, the Harrises, even the OGs, who's only 23, like having that and getting to watch Kyle Lowry play basketball, which we've seen the last game he played, he put up 37 and 11 on the Lakers. He's still capable of extremely high level basketball. Like, yes, maybe the cap math gets difficult and you have a lot of big contracts and it becomes difficult to assemble a championship level roster around that without some significant moves or whatever. The the last championship is still so fresh. I watched it last night, game six of the finals. It's wonderful. Still makes me happy. Still makes me feel very little stress about where the team is going. I think it's totally worth paying the money in years he's going to want to keep the Kyle Lowry experience in Toronto. And you take whatever success comes with it. If it's slightly below title, you know, contention, that's totally fine. If he's down to be around for it and, you know, he's he's a believer in the vision, then hell yeah, sign me the hell up. Where are you at with the, uh, the question of whether to bring Kyle back or not? Obviously, it comes down to him and he's going to make the call. And the Raptors obviously are going to have their own team building things to keep in mind here. But just as a gut feeling... Are you on my side of like just bring the dude back? God damn it! I mean, I like it's not. I wouldn't say it's your side because this is. I've never changed. Like I've never really wavered from sure. this. You know, like I. Sure. Yeah, like I'm all for bringing him back. I think you have to make that offer. He's a legacy player. I think it depends on. I guess when I look, because when I look like tactically, what was wrong with the team this season? None of it had to do with Kyle, right? There are things that were addressed later, like late, very late, like two weeks ago in the season that did help kind of like stem some of that. And they're going to go out in the off season and see what they can get. But I do think that Lowry should and deserves to be a big part of that. I get the argument mm-hmm. of like, if he leaves, you're not, that's like three huge players. You haven't technically gotten anything back for, but I, I guess I also don't care that much specifically with Kyle. It sucks that it would be yeah. three in a row. Totally. Um, but at any point in his career, whether it was this year, um, last summer, like summers from now, like he can, he can leave and I will wish him all the best. You know what I mean? So I think, but he's very valuable. And like, I guess the one sort of explicit thing he, he that stuck with me um, that he said about potentially wanting to play somewhere else was just, he's not ready to take a back seat yet, which I think could be quite yeah. encouraging for the Raptors. He's like, you know, I want to, I want to compete. And I, it's not that I just want to compete. I, my goal is more championships. So yeah. 
obviously if he has an aggressive path to go do that somewhere else and it seems likely to, to be able to do that somewhere else for sure but I also don't think it's any clearer this season where he could go and that would happen right off the bat as in seasons past mm-hmm. you know what I mean um yeah because I'm honestly like I've made predictions for the playoffs but like part of me is also like it could literally go anyway you know like it is one <laughs> of those seasons because that's how this whole season has gone for the NBA yeah. um but yeah like he's he's like the heart and soul of this team he's also a very good player so if he's telling you he wants to compete he wants championships to me I'm still like Kyle Lowry is the player that you want to get all that stuff for make it so he can yeah. work and work as hard as he wants to and still play as hard as he wants to like extremely high caliber basketball and like get as many people around him as you can to be sponges for that while you still have him, you know? And if, if his willingness is there, if they give him a good contract, because that's the thing too, like he's going to draw like 30 to like, I don't know, 45, maybe 48 million, like somewhere, wherever. Yeah. Like over two years. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's very, he's valuable to everybody. All the teams Mm -hmm. that were coming clamoring, like, you know, like mere was that a, only a month ago geez but like <laughs> a short time ago you know in in free agency like rather at the de- at the deadline my head just flipped upside down yeah deadline yeah, yeah the deadline. It's like month, yeah, <laughs> yeah month and a half yeah <laughs> um, but all those teams that came around at the deadline will be still coming back around this summer so like none of that has changed but mm-hmm. i think do it in toronto bring him back I guess I just see more reasons to do it than not to do it. I maybe even saw yeah. more reasons to to trade him away at the deadline than I do now. Um, yeah. And again, this all comes down to whatever Kyle wants. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, very well put, Katie. I think we can put the pin in the Kyle conversation there. There'll be plenty of Kyle Lowry conversation in the weeks and months to come. Uh, we're going to dive into the rest of the press conferences. We'll dive into Nick Nurse, the Masai Ujiri optimism, it seems, from the Michael Grange piece that came out yesterday. Uh, and also just kind of address the vibes, which seem, I don't know, maybe we'll get into it, but it seems like they're significantly improved recently, which is... Weird considering the way the season ended, but also I think kind of speaks to the relief of the season ending in a lot of ways. We'll dig into that in just one second. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at betonline.ag. Look, usually the Toronto Raptors are going to hit their over. They did not this year because hell happened to them down in Tampa Bay. But they have historically been a team that hits it. If you want to get in early and bet on next season's over, you can do that at betonline.ag. You can also bet on baseball, hockey, the UFC, MMA fights, whatever it might be. You can do it at betonline.ag before the next pitch, tip-off, shot, face-off, whatever way that you begin the sporting event you're watching. Head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up contest, uh, sign-up bonuses and contest information. Don't sit at the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON, all one word, to get yourself that 50% welcome bonus. All right, Katie, let's wrap things up here. Uh, Before we get into the specifics of Nurse and uh, Masai and all that, uh, I did want to sort of talk to you. You've been our our vibes correspondent all season long as they've been in the dumps. I mean, you've been our vibes correspondent for years, which is lovely. Um, 
and you're very good at it. So, you know, the the postseason things have happened. The, the pressures are going down. People seem to be in pretty good spirits despite how badly the season went. Am I misdiagnosing the seemingly improved vibes just kind of around the team, even though they're not playing right now, obviously? No, I think the vibes are much improved, um, honestly. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, part of, like, it's that's a mix, right? That's going to be a mix of just, like, it's done. <laughs> These are mm-hmm. guys who, in their professions and their lives for, like, as long as they've been driven towards this goal of playing basketball, have become extremely adept at, like, on to the next thing, you know, onto what will better drive my career and my game. Um, and to do that, it's like putting this trash season behind them. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there's probably a small measure of relief. They also get some time off. It was like extremely close, you know, between yeah. when they last, like when they stopped in the fall and when they had to start again and with the relocation, it's, it was just like, it's been a whirlwind. Yeah. So I think there's that. I also just think the chemistry has greatly improved. Um, I think you can't really discount like what Kem particularly be like th- those very late season additions have added. Yeah. <laughs> but then like Utah getting his deal, I think you know what Gary Trent has brought to the team, like all the and then all these guys. I'm like, oh yeah, and then we still have like DeAndre Bembry, who's just like supreme, yeah. supreme vibes, you know, like he's walking vibes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think like, and then you would just have the phenomenal growth of someone like fred which kyle also talked about today you know and pascal and og boucher like there's so much to be happy about i think at the end of the season where it's Mm -hmm. weird because you think that there's not on paper there's not that much to be happy about but you kind of have seen them come through at the other side of something um and they must feel that too right so yeah i think it's like it's very hopeful it's like a very hopeful energy going into next season, which I think we'll see them. I'm pretty optimistic to say, like see them back in Toronto. Yeah. I'm feeling optimistic about that too. I know there've been the pieces and I know there's the skepticism and trusting the Ontario government or the Canadian government to like sort this shit out is maybe fraught, but it feels like there's time. It feels like vaccine, you know, rates are only it's getting higher. Up. Yeah. And, it's speeding yeah, up it's, finally. It's, it's very, very encouraging, and I'm choosing to hold the belief that there will be basketball in Toronto in October. Shit, I'm kind of choosing to believe that there will be baseball in Toronto in September, and well, maybe that's a little bit overly yourself. optimistic, but yeah, yeah, I know that might be a little bit ahead of yourself, but also <laughs> optimism is fine right Not now, I baseball, think. Not with baseball, I don't know. <laughs> we don't need your anti-baseball agenda, Seek, sneaking into a good, wholesome podcast, Katie. That can be another day. Um but uh, yeah, I, I feel like the, that optimism is kind of just shining through the screen and the quotes whenever these things are being said. I mean, even Fred on the uh, on the broadcast on Sunday during the last game for the third quarter, when he was there with Matt and Jack, like similarly relieved and looking forward to just like stepping away for a second. And how could you not want to? Like the last two years for these guys have been insane you have the super deep playoff run obviously you have the stress of losing Kawhi and everything that was going on there a short off season coming into what was a normal season to start the highs and like the just the joy and glee that that team elicited for the first five months and then the shutdown that they're kind of like weirdly directly involved with with being the last team to play Rudy Gobert and Gobert touching the mics before their game you know, the everything that went on afterwards, obviously, the Siakam not touching a ball for as long as he did, 
all of that. And then you get into the bubble. It's also a role. Like it's just been nonstop. And I'm glad they get to chill. I'm, you know, I wanted them to make the plan in hindsight. I'm glad they didn't. And I, I think that's kind of coming through that maybe they're also kind of glad they didn't push for that either because you know, the, the, the break and the breather and the sort of reset I think is going to be super valuable. Speaking of optimism, it sounds like Masai Ujiri is uh, probably coming back. Uh, Michael Grange uh, wrote a piece yesterday, uh, 95% chance he pegged it at uh, that the Raptors will maintain or retain Masai Ujiri going forward. Um, It feels good. (laughs) It's very nice. I have been, since the signing of Nick Nurse and Bobby Webster to extensions, I've been just not very worried because I feel like even if Masai goes as much of a blow it as it would be, there's enough sort of institutional knowledge and foundation in place that they'll survive and be fine going forward anyway. But obviously you want to keep them and have that guy still as your figurehead. Um, how are you feeling? Have you have you sort of inferred much from the quotes from everybody here, uh, as it seems everyone wants to try to do all the time with these things? Uh, how are you feeling about the Masai returning potential here, Katie? I mean, Masai is kind of like, Larry in that way like I I'm not gonna trust it until it comes from him you know what I mean like yeah like 95 percent it's a high percent it's a good percent but I think just (laughs) like he's a person who has shown us that he's always got a few things cooking you know whether that's for the team um long-term short-term planning like he's just I would I'll wait and see until he signs um it's been a looming Mm -hmm. thing that's been hanging over this the team all season, like before the season even started. Um, a part of me does still wonder why he didn't resign once he'd gotten everybody kind of settled in Tampa. That was sure. my reason at the beginning of the season why I thought like, okay, it makes sense why he hasn't yet. There's a lot to deal with. Like there's so many logistics and moving parts right now, but once that was settled and he didn't, it made me a bit more like, eh, all right. So you know, that's, I guess maybe that's my 5% for the, to the 95% of skepticism. For sure. me, that's where it comes from. Um, but I hope he resigns. Yeah. Like, I don't know, even after this, I don't know that I'd want, you make a good point about institutional knowledge with Bobby and Nick, but it's not the same and it wouldn't be the same. And I'm not sure in their first season back home after this past one, with all the new players that they have, I would want that for Bobby right away. Yeah. Not to say I mean, he's not Bobby, capable. Though, like... It's just like, that's a, <laughs> it's a big ass. Like it's another big transition, right? Like, yeah, sure. they're coming home, but like, it's, it, it's not going to be as seamless. You know what I mean? Like they've been out of, yeah. out of here for a while um, and their lives have been too. So we'll see. Um, but I think MLSE values like stability when you look at what's happening yeah. with like other teams around the league and, you know, how tumultuous a season it's been and how tumultuous an off season, it looks like it's going to be for some teams, regardless of what happens in the playoffs, that that's going to throw a wrench and even more plans. I'm sure, you know, there'll be a big mm-hmm. scramble. So I think MLSE does not want to scramble, which is why they're trying to get this locked down uh, as soon as they can. Yeah, yeah. And I would feel a lot more sort of worried if there were like big marquee teams in the search of leadership right now. Like the Knicks are good and normal, which is bizarre, but 
Like, they just brought in Leon Rose. They're not going to be looking to go and throw the bag at Masai right now. You know, the Wizards have kind of turned things around. They've been sort of the secret team, even since, like, the 2019 Finals. Like, after the championship, as they're celebrating, Woj just tweeting about how the Wizards are going to try to lure Masai. And, you know, now he's a free agent and can do whatever the hell he wants. But the Wizards seem like they've kind of found some direction here and seem like things are pretty good and the vibes are all right there. So I don't really see them being like pressured to throw like some sort of gargantuan offer Masai's way. And yeah, it's impossible to know. He's a very private guy and he's not going to reveal his cards till it happens, but just kind of reading the tea leaves and also reading the way, you know, Nurse and Bobby have spoken. doesn't sound like they're all that concerned. And yeah, they're not going to tip their hand there probably, but you know, it's, it's fun to infer things and infer optimism from quotes. And I'm choosing to do that right now. And you know, the Michael Grange piece that dude sourced, you know, people, I think, um, I can't remember who made this point. It might've been our friend Kate who made the point. Like, yeah, sometimes people get angry with Grange's source material, but that's because it's usually stuff they don't want to hear. <laughs> um, but, you know, this is stuff you do want to hear, and I, I think the the sources speak for themselves. At least yeah, I'll choose to believe that for now. Um, with that, Kate, I think it's probably a good place to leave off. We've got a ton that we're going to dive into over the course of the offseason, obviously, but this felt like a pretty good way to put a bow on those end-of-season press conferences and whatnot. Again, tomorrow we'll have David Ramil on. We'll dive into Chris Bosh before we kind of turn our attention to season in review and look at each individual player and their year and all, the, all that went down with it. But, uh, Katie, uh, before we wrap up here, anything you want to plug? Um, well, I guess I want to plug Kyle Lowry telling Dishes and Dimes uh, to turn um, turn your camera on on the Zoom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Uh <laughs> You can hear it in whenever anyone posts the full audio. Um, well, do yes. I have anything I want to plug? Not really, man. All right. Well, uh, go read Basketball Feelings. You wrote a piece yesterday, right? Yes, I, I did. This week? Yeah. Was it yesterday? My inbox was full of basketball no. feelings at some point recently. Wait. So. No, it was yesterday. No. Yeah. Go read Monday? Basketball Feelings. Subscribe. It was recently. <laughs> yeah. I'll just look in my inbox. It's here somewhere. You can. Uh, basketball. Yesterday. Yesterday. God, where Yesterday does the time go? Who really knows, Katie? Um, all I know is the last 35 minutes or so have been a delight. So thank you for coming on the podcast, as always. Thanks, man. Uh, go read Katie's work. Go listen to Dishes and Dimes. Go do all that stuff. Um, pronounce it K-Lo and not Chloe, please. Uh, or just say Kyle Larry over everything. That's also totally fine. And actually, the accepted uh, way to say it, um, that'll do it. Again, love all the listeners. You're all very wonderful. We got lots of great stuff planned for you coming up soon here. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Until then, have a good one, everybody. Bye bye.